Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. This is revival. Guys, we're in revival right now. If you were wondering what revival looks like, look around. We're here. The church is advancing against the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Revival is about taking territory for the kingdom of God. Revival is about bringing life back to dead things and dead places. Revival is when the church is awakened and revitalized for a divine attack on the kingdom of darkness. Revival is when the church is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and believing for healing and believing for people to get saved and seeing God move. We are in revival. We're in the middle of it right now, guys. Come on, this is awesome. But I felt in my heart to preach to you on this thought of what happens when you get into revival. There's some things that you need to know and. And if there was one person in the church who knew how to talk about revival, it was the guy who Jesus used to help kind of launch the church, to help launch the revival after Jesus left. His name was Peter. Peter would preach on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. The church began to spread rapidly as Peter began to preach. But things started happening because as the church was growing rapidly, the opposition was picking up. The adversity was being stirred up. And Peter tells us something as Christians, what to be ready for when you start to see a move of God in your life. What to be ready for when you start taking ground for God. He says in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you have a Bible, turn there. And we get loud when we open up the Word. We get louder than March Madness when Kansas loses. <laughs> oh, it's too soon, sorry. When the Dallas Cowboys don't make it to the Super Bowl. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says, You need to know, brothers and sisters, you shouldn't be surprised by the adversity that you're facing. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. And then he goes on to say this in verse 13. Instead, be very glad. Glad? Glad about trials? For these trials make you partners with Christ. Anybody want to be a partner with Christ in his suffering? All of a sudden, your hand just went down. <laughs> Peter says, these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy. I love his so that. Because when we partner with Christ in the midst of difficulties and opposition and trials, Peter says, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Lord, speak to us today on this subject that it comes with the territory. God, I pray that we would leave today encouraged, refreshed, revived, ready for revival, ready for the war, and God, that we would refuse to quit. I thank you that today, God, perseverance would be stirred up in our hearts. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. 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 You know, I remember I had played football growing up, flag football, all the way up until seventh grade. Flag football was fun. 
I never got hurt. They would just pull my flags and that was the end of it. Then seventh grade came and I signed up for contact football, tackle football. And I remember our first practice, the coach got us all into a circle and he had us like making some chants or something. We were like clapping and stuff. And then he said, I'm gonna call out two names. The ball will be in the middle of the football and you got 10 seconds to fight for the ball and whoever has the ball at the end of the 10 seconds is the champion. And so I was like, cool, this sounds fun. <laughs> Paul, he said my name. And I was like, yes. And he said, Jordan. Now, Jordan was about four inches taller than me and about 80 pounds bigger than me. But I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for what was about to happen. So I go running for the ball. I'm like, I'm going to get the ball. And Jordan just goes, Poof, and I get knocked to the ground. And I'm like, hold on. I didn't sign up for this. And my coach was like, it comes with the territory. Everybody say, it comes with the territory. I would get hit a lot that year. I would get tackled a lot that year. I would have to work hard. See, there is no crown without a cross. There is no resurrection without a crucifixion. There is no victory without a battle. We did not sign up for a lazy life. We signed up for war, church. When you contend for revival, Jude chapter 1 verse 3 says, I felt it necessary to just remind you to contend for the faith. Contend means to work hard, to battle for the faith. We are a battling church. We are a revival church. We are not a lazy church. We are not a church on a cruise ship. We are a church on a warship, and we are going to warship all through the war. Come on, somebody. About 30 years ago in the Northeast, they discovered that codfish were a lucrative business and they began to ship codfish all over the United States. And the only problem was they would ship these codfish, frozen codfish to, you know, five, 600, 700, 800 miles away. By the time the codfish got to the places of distribution, they were mushy. They didn't taste very good. So then they began to ship the codfish in large tanks, live codfish in tanks being shipped across the U.S. But still, by the time they landed at those distribution spots, they were still uh, not very tasteful because they were comfortable in their tanks. There was no threats, nothing that would cause them to, to, to stay alert. And so by the time they got to their destination, they had lost their taste. So finally, this guy thought of, let's put an enemy of the codfish in the tank with them. So he dropped a, gr a, a group of catfish in the tanks of the codfish. Now, catfish are the natural enemy to the codfish. So these catfish immediately began to scare the codfish because they knew this meant war. Now the codfish could have said, hold on, I didn't sign up for this. But they recognized it comes with the territory. By the time the codfish got to the places of distribution, they were more fit. They were better tasting. They Not only did they survive, they were stronger having gone through it. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And as Christians, you shouldn't be surprised by the trials that you're facing as if something strange was happening, as if God left the throne room. No, God could be using those very trials to grow you into who he's called you to be, to shape you to the man, the woman that he's called you to be. It comes with the territory, church. This last week, I went to go spend some time with a mentor in my life. And about three years ago, I met this mentor face to face. I had read his books. I had watched him on TV. And the day came where I finally got to meet him. And Pastor Joel Osteen began to speak into my life. And he said, Paul, 
you know, I stepped in right after my father passed away and it wasn't easy. And when he said that, I was like, really? I thought I was the only one. <laughs> he said, no, anytime you step into something where someone else was much uh, appreciated and strong in what they did, you're stepping into some big shoes. There's a battle in front of you. He said, it just comes with the territory. And he said, but Paul, you know what else comes with the territory? The grace to do what God's called you to do. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, you're gonna walk through some painful situations. Yeah, people will compare you to your dad. Yeah, there's gonna be moments where you feel so unqualified. It just comes with the territory. But let me tell you what else comes with the territory. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. In Exodus chapter three, Moses had a burning bush moment. He had been in the wilderness because he did something that he shouldn't have done, but he did something he shouldn't have done out of a passion that was healthy. Moses loved his people. He was a Hebrew boy, but he grew up in an Egyptian palace. And so when Moses was watching one day as some Egyptians were treating the Hebrew children wrong and they were beating his Hebrew brothers and sisters with rods, Moses stepped in and man, he took out that Egyptian. He killed an Egyptian. And as soon as Pharaoh heard about it, Pharaoh was the king, Pharaoh was the one that had raised Moses, Pharaoh was ready to kill Moses. So he fled to the wilderness. For 40 years, he ran away from his calling. For 40 years, he lived in a place of obscurity and he, he grew comfortable there. He met a wife and he had children and he had a family. But God had not forgotten about him. And I wanna tell you today, God has not forgotten about your dream. God has not forgotten about your passion. God has not forgotten about your purpose. You might be hiding somewhere, but God still sees you. So God got Moses' attention in Exodus 3 with a bush that was burning, but it wouldn't burn up. Moses was walking past the bush in Exodus 3, verse 3, and bushes that would burn in the wilderness were a normal thing. They would catch fire, but they would burn up, but this one wouldn't burn up. It wasn't burning up. There was a fire that just wouldn't go out, like the fire in this church, like the fire in my heart. It just won't go out. And you need to pay attention when there's a fire that won't stop burning because God's trying to get your attention. There's something to lean into here. There's a dream that just won't go away. There's a passion in your heart that just won't leave. God's saying, I'm leading you somewhere. Lean in, follow the curiosity. So Moses said, I gotta go see what's going on. So he followed the curiosity. Some of you came to church today because you're following the curiosity. What's going on at Victory? What's going on at Victory? I met a couple last night. They said, we haven't been church in a long time, but we heard something's been going on at Victory. I said, it's your burning bush moment. Are you gonna lean in or are you gonna keep walking? They said, we gotta lean in. We'll be back next week. I said, good. So Moses, he walked over to the burning bush and God began to speak to him. Moses, my heart is hurting for the people back in Egypt. Moses hadn't thought about Egypt in a long time, but all of a sudden God starts stirring his heart. I've called you to take ground. I've called you to take ground for the kingdom. I've called you to lead my people out of slavery. I've called you to go back to the place of your greatest fear and to face Pharaoh again. And I'm just going to let you know, it won't be easy. It comes with the territory. There will be a struggle. There will be 10 different plagues and you will be told no and rejected even by your own people. But guess what else comes with the territory? I'm giving you a rod in your hand. And when you lift that rod up, that Red Sea is going to part. And when you begin to speak, I'm going to begin to move. Moses, you need to know that there's adversity that comes with the territory, but there's also grace that comes with the territory. 
See, where God guides you, he provides for you. Where God directs you, he protects you. Where God leads you, he precedes you. When Jesus got with his disciples in the boat in Luke chapter 8, he said, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. We got to go and spread this good news. Some of you are called to go to a new level. New levels mean new devils. <laughs> you say, where's the scripture on that? I don't know, but it rhymes. <laughs> All I know is when Jesus went to new places, he faced new demons. Because when he went to that other side, he was about to face a man with a thousand demons inside of him called Legion. He hadn't faced that man yet. When Jesus started to go to the other side, can you imagine these disciples so excited? They're on that sailboat with Jesus. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. All of a sudden, thunder and lightning just interrupts their praise song. Not a happy day. What's going on here? We didn't sign up for storms. We didn't sign up for struggle. We didn't sign up for adversity. I thought church services were supposed to be perfect. Some of us are looking for the easiest place to live our Christian life, and Jesus never promised us an easy life. He never promised us an easy atmosphere. He promised us a war, a battle. Fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. So the storm starts to come. In fact, they said it was like a tsunami on the Sea of Galilee. It was a seismic storm. And the disciples start to scream, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown. Jesus was sleeping on a pillow. It was almost like he knew adversity comes. Before Jesus did any miracles, Satan tried to attack him in the wilderness. Jesus just knew, man, it comes with the territory. You thought we were going to have a storm-free life? But let me tell you, we do have a storm-proof life. We have a Holy Spirit who's with us in the midst of every opposition. Some of you have had some catfish dropped in the tank recently. Yeah. Some of you ladies had a catfish dropped recently in your tank. Like that codfish. You can either run from the catfish or you can get stronger because of the catfish. Some of you have had some opposition drop in front of you, some adversity, some trials, and you're trying to figure out why is this happening? Why is God mad at me? God's not mad at you. He trusts you. He trusts you to walk through the storm. He trusts you to get through the adversity. He trusts that the revival is going to bring some stuff, but you can handle the stuff. Say, I can handle it because he's with me. God's with you. Jesus was on the boat. So Jesus gets up. He rebukes the storm. God is with Moses. God then goes to Joshua. He gives Joshua promised land. Joshua's excited about the promised land until he sees the walls of Jericho. I didn't know we were going to face walls. It comes with the territory. Everybody say, it comes with the territory. If you want to go higher, you better be ready to battle. I want to give you real quickly six things that come with the territory. The first one is hard work. If you want to go to higher levels, you, be, you better be ready to work hard. Ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. Long days, short nights, serving others. Just a small percentage of ministry is seen in front of everyone. The majority of it is behind the scenes, working hard, praying, loving people, counseling, ministering. And the same thing goes for all of us in this room. We all have jobs that aren't easy. Why does a plumber go through all the sewage and all the, the smell and all the stuff that he's got to go through? Because he knows payday is coming, baby. 
Why does a hairdresser stand on her feet all day cutting hair and, and, and making ladies look beautiful because she knows payday is coming? Why does, a, why does a, uh, a trash man work on the back of a trash truck every day throwing those trash bags in and the smells and the odors because he knows payday is coming? You know, Paul said all this work is going to pay off. There's a reward coming. There's a crown of life that will not perish. It's greater than any check you could get from your boss. It's greater than any applause you could get from people. The crown of life, but there is no crown without a cross. All of a sudden, we stopped clapping. <laughs> oh. Salvation is free, church, but following Jesus will cost you something. We're in a society right now where we want a trophy, but we won't even play the game. We want a trophy even when we don't work hard to win. The, the teams that made it to the Final Four didn't make it to the Final Four not practicing. They work hard. Those athletes give it all they got. Paul said an athlete trains for the prize. A farmer works hard for the harvest that he wants to crop. What makes us think as Christians that we can live a lazy life? This is about living for the kingdom of God. It's worth it, church. It's worth it. I used to have ideas and dreams that being a dad, I was just going to be playing t-ball and sipping lemonade with my son every day. It was going to be beautiful. All the imaginations of being a dad were happy commercials. It was just so happy. And then, and then they were born. <laughs> I'm not saying I wasn't happy, but all of a sudden I'm changing poopy diapers every day. And, and last night, I mean, they, Liam got out of his bedroom five different times and I had to put him back in his bed. And I had to change his diaper and rock him back and forth. This morning he's up at 5 a.m. coming into our room and just looking kind of creepy, standing in the hallway. <laughs> like, boy, get back to your bed. What are you doing out there? You are scaring me. <laughs> he, he scares me in the morning. Everybody say it comes with the territory. If we want to see a great harvest, we got to be willing to work hard. And I'm telling you, revival is coming to the church that isn't living in laziness, but is living wide awake to the calling and the purpose on their lives. Amen. All right. Here's the second thing. You guys ready for the second thing? I'll be I'll be quick on this one. Here we go. The second thing is the pressures, the pressures of life, leadership and ministry. Anybody ever feel pressure? pressure, pressure to be the example, pressure to lead, pressure to get up, pressure to do this, pressure to make decisions, pressure, pressure, pressure. And sometimes the pressure can feel overwhelming, but it comes with the territory. Moses would have pressure. Joshua would have pressure. Esther would have pressure. Jesus would have pressure. Paul said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been snake bitten. I've been beaten. I've been thrown in jail. I've been thrown in prison. Not to mention the pressure of leading the church. In other words, there's, there's this intensity. Anytime you're doing anything that God's called you to do, there's going to be an intense pressure. Here's the next thing, the troubles and difficulties of life. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I promise you, you will have troubles. I'm telling you these things because troubles will come. Troubles will come. He's talking to the disciples. As Christians, we're not exempt from difficult moments. I remember right after I got married, three weeks after our wedding, my father passed away. A week after that, my grandpa passed away. A week after that, a mentor in our family, Chancellor Oral Roberts, passed away. I went to six funerals in eight weeks right after getting married. And it was difficult just trying to keep my joy, just trying to keep on moving forward. 
And I know if I was to ask all of you in this room, you've had some troubles in the last year, financial troubles, financial difficulties. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have walked through tight times. I, I got to do the funeral for my grandmother, Ella V. Swift. Me and my mom co-led it this last week. She was 91. She passed away into heaven last Sunday morning. And my mom was talking about how my nana, she was a Methodist preacher's wife. And they were constantly being moved to other towns and other cities, having to pack up things and pastor churches. And then some of those churches would reject them. And within a few months, they'd have to move to another town. And just the difficulties, oftentimes weeks of, of wondering, if, are we going to have the money to pay for groceries, to pay all the bills? And oftentimes we all face these things, but I would rather be facing those things than living in the world, having all the money in the world, but not living in my purpose for God. I'd rather be walking through the difficulties of following God's plan and purpose for my life than having all the luxuries of the world, but being in the wrong place. So Nana pressed through. She lived a life of perseverance. It comes with the territory. Here's the next one, the battle of faith. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, I, I'm telling you, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. We're in a war, church. In the late 1940s, the U.S. constructed a ship. It was a warship. It was used to carry 15,000 troops across the sea with machine guns and bombs and all the stuff for war, weapons to fight a war. But within five years, that ship was reconstructed, remodeled to be used as a cruise liner ship for presidents and senators and congressmen. Instead of holding 15,000 troops dressed for battle, it now had 2,000 nice little cruise bedrooms. 2,000 people could fit on the ship. They had six swimming pools and clubs and entertainment system and dancing and sipping on martinis and sitting in the hot tub. What was meant to be used for war became a place of luxury. And I wonder if some of us have, have forgotten what we signed up for, forgotten what this means. Guys, we're in a war. We're in a war. Paul said, Timothy, this is going to be a fight, but it's a fight worth fighting. Here's the next one, people problems. Anybody ever have any people problems? <laughs> in the last week, in the last day? You're not the first person to have people problems. Jesus had people problems. Some of the guys he thought would be closest to him ended up betraying him. Jesus had a Judas. What makes you think you won't have a Judas? Jesus had all 12 of his disciples run in the middle of his worst moment of his life. When he needed them the most, they abandoned him. Paul knew what this was like, and I'm not talking in third person. Paul the apostle said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, and I want to go to verse 14, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he did. Just remember the people that oppose you, God will take care of them. It's not your job to get revenge at the people that are bringing you problems. God will take care of them. Then he goes on to say this, be careful, Timothy. He brought a lot of opposition against everything we said. In verse 16, he said, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. What do you do when you're in the courtroom and no one shows up to stand with you? What do you do when you're in your worst hour and nobody wants to be associated with you? Paul's been there before. He said, everyone abandoned me. 
But I love his heart. He, he wasn't bitter. He said, Lord, don't count it against him. I believe if you'll keep a pure heart when you're walking through people problems, God will not only bless you, man, he'll bless your, he's going to bless you, cause your enemies to come and be friends with you. He's going to bring favor on your life. Paul then goes on to say this in verse 17, the Lord stood with me in the middle of the battle. He gave me strength to preach the good news. Guys, it comes with the territory. When everyone leaves you, you got a father in heaven who's close to the brokenhearted. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widow. He's a defender of the orphan. God is with you in the middle of your worst hour. He's with you today. He's with you in the storm. He's with you in the valley. The last one that I want to mention that comes with the territory is the accuser of the brethren, the accuser. We know him as Satan, the devil. And he stands daily accusing believers, trying to just put shame on you, trying to make you feel ashamed of your past, trying to make you feel unqualified, trying to tell you you're not going to get through this storm. He's an accuser. He is the father of lies. And everything he has to say is a lie. He'll just keep telling you, you're not forgiven. He'll just stand there, but I'm thankful for the attorney that stands between me and the accuser. His name is Jesus. Daily, he stands in front of the throne room of God saying, that son is forgiven. That daughter is forgiven. They are, they are cleansed. They are, they are a child of God. They are not who they were. They are not what they used to do. They are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. The cross has the final word. So let me tell you what else comes with the territory because you've heard the bad stuff. Here's what else comes with the territory. The armor of God. For the battle that you gotta fight, you've got the armor to wear to win the war. You're in a fixed fight, you know. You've got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Not the righteousness because of what you've done, but the righteousness of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. The finished work of Christ covers your past, covers your present, and empowers your future. The belt of truth, the, tr the trusting in God's word, the shoes that are shod with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, which blocks every fiery dart from the enemy, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. It comes with the territory. The name of Jesus comes with the territory. See, when you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have power in his name. So when you're, when you're facing uh, crazy situations, I'll never forget being in Haiti with my parents in 1996. My dad was preaching at a crusade on a stage, thousands of people out there. Right as he began to speak, this woman comes running through the crowd, flailing her arms, running on all fours. It was a demonic thing. Don't tell me there aren't demons in this world. I'm telling you there are. And as she was screaming and everyone was watching and it was distracting the whole service, my dad said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, Satan, to leave this woman alone. Immediately the woman stopped. She fell to the ground and she got back up and she was in her right mind. She was peaceful. Every demonic thing had left this woman's body, her mind. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. You know what else comes with the territory? The blood of Jesus. Everywhere you go, the blood of Jesus covers your sins. The cross, Jesus died 2,000 years ago on a cross and his blood was poured out for you and for me for the forgiveness of our sins. 
Revelation says that we will overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. You know what else comes with the territory? Your testimony. You got something to talk about. You got power in what Jesus has done in your life. How many of you used to be someone that you're not today? Come on, somebody. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Anybody used to be blind, used to be lost, used to be a wretch? Thank you, Jesus, for amazing grace. So when the devil tells you you're wretched, you can say, yeah, I used to be until Jesus showed up. When the devil tells you you're an addict, yeah, I used to be until Jesus showed up. When the devil tells you you're, 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 you're dirty, you can say, yeah, I used to be until Jesus showed up. It's part of my testimony. Thank you, Jesus. The promises of God come with the territory. You have the promises of God no matter what you're facing. There's a promise for every problem that's in front of you. That God is with you. He's for you. Isaiah says that there's, there's no exhaustion you could go through. That God doesn't have the strength to give you. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. God goes before you and behind you. God told Joshua, I'm giving you success. Everywhere your foot touches, you shall prosper. I'm giving you revival. Will there be walls? You better believe it. Will there be giants, David? You better believe it. Will there be spear throwers, David? You better believe it. But I'm giving you power with the territory. I'm giving you promises. I've anointed you, Isaiah 61 says. I am anointed to preach the good news, to bring deliverance to those in captivity. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. It comes with the territory. I want you to stand to your feet all over this room. Some of you are facing a battle right now, a difficulty. And you shouldn't be surprised because it just comes with the territory. As parents, it's hard work, right? In marriage, it's hard work, right? In ministry, it's hard work. It just comes with the territory. Being a trash man, you're putting up with the odors, you're putting up with the smells, but you know payday is coming. And I guess I just want to remind you that payday is coming, church. You're walking through difficulty, but I'm telling you, there's a reward. There's a reward. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus, it's worth it. Jesus, it's worth it. If we could interview any Bible character in the Bible, I guarantee you all of them would say, adversity, <laughs> you better believe it. One of my friends, a pastor, posted this picture on Instagram. I thought it was funny. He said, in the 1300s, people said, I'm dying from the Black Plague. In the 1800s, they said, I'm nine and I work in a factory. In the 1900s, I'm off to fight in a war. In the 2000s, I'm offended. <laughs> hey, church, offenses are going to come, but it's no big deal. We can get over it, right? We can move forward. We're stronger than that. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Have I had a thousand chances to get offended in the last year? You better believe it. You better believe it. So have you. We all have. But guys, we're getting stronger together. We're growing in perseverance. We're growing in unity. The devil doesn't like it when a church gets united. So he's going to use every single tactic he can to bring division and strife and exhaustion and offense. 
Because when a church is united, revival is on the way. When a church is relentless and ready to persevere, no matter what may come, come hell or high water, we're going to push through. We're going to bring heaven down to earth. We're going to move mountains in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.